Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the How We See Things podcast. I'm proud to have made it this far. I'm Stays My Next here with my co host, Dan Stark. Dan, how you Dan's doing? Oh, I am good. I'm good. Hello, everyone. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, 20 episodes, and we're still here. We're still going strong. So, um, yeah, it's been an enjoyable journey, and long may it continue. Yeah, I mean, the way, the way I'm looking at it is as long as, you know, there are things for us to talk about, um, as long as some people continue to exist and the times continue to be the way they are, there will be stuff for us to talk about. Um, and we want to just, like, you know, update kind of the conversation we had, I think, two episodes ago, you yep. know, um, about the FBI walking into a bar with a bunch of other people. But this time, we're only focusing on on the FBI because there has been an update to the Trump um, raid, Mar-a-Lago, top secret affair. Um, Basically, the affidavit that was used to get the search warrants from a judge was released. Um, Dan, what was your initial reaction to, to the release of the affidavit and everything else going on? Yeah, I think it's been very interesting. Obviously, this has been huge news in the u.s politosphere um i think that the release of the affidavits was probably something that maybe the republicans didn't expect to happen at least not so soon um perhaps later on further down the line um because i think this you could probably look at it as there's been a huge amount of kind of politics politicization yeah the raid, the power of the Justice Department. At a point, they tried to join Biden. And Biden, who we'll speak about, has had a fantastic week, I must say, on viral accounts. Depends, <laughs> depends on who you talk to. Um, I think the ratings, his, his approval ratings, for sure. I, I'm pretty sure. That yeah, but you know, you know these things kind of lag now. I don't we'll know. If, yeah, we're, we're not going to cover student loan. Um, you know, cancellation and this particular conversation, but these things like, like you know, the effect on the polls of any action that Biden would take, it'll probably take like a month or two to show. Um, I mean, sounds like you're, I mean, next week is September. Sounds like you're telling me that he's timed it perfectly for the midterms, but hey. Um, I'm saying again, it depends on, it depends on who you're asking, you know, for some people, um, this is a terrible move. And it will backfire on Biden politically. For some nah, other people, this is Biden's promise. Nah, I think this was, you know, and the White House's stance to it was exemptional. But yeah, we'll, 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 I digress. Um, back to Trump land. Uh, yes, I think it's been very interesting. Obviously, we've seen a lot of Republicans come out um, and and try and hammer down Repub- um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, from Georgia, um, Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Um, we've seen Trump's sons come out, Eric Trump, Donald Trump Jr. Um, you've seen different governors come out. Um, and, uh, yeah, you saw people like um, Rep- uh, Representative Andy Briggs from Arizona, mm. um, who's a very ardent Trump ally. And I, they've been trying to politicize it and say, oh, this is, you know, the the um, scapegoating of Trump. This was a targeted attack. This raid was unjustified. It was excessive, blah, 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 blah. But this redacted affidavit, um, I think it's kind of quieted down. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that was what I was about to say. Um, Quite a as well. And in my assessment, um, I think that Republican Party will start thinking to themselves, there's classified correspondence here with North Korea, right? Which was stored in Mar-a-Lago. This is where, this, this is like, if in the, in the pantheon yeah. of world leaders that communication should be kept secure, I think, you know, King Jong, King Jong-un will, will, would rank in the top three. So um, the as fact you were, that these are just in his private residence is kind of concerning. As you were suggesting, like, you know, the goalposts have definitely been shifting. And, you know, after the affidavit was released, you know, Republicans have kind of, like, quieted down their rhetoric, what they're saying and everything, because I don't think they really expected the affidavit to be released. And their bluff has been called. Um, but now the goalposts have shifted. So in some instances, so you see some people talking about the fact that, oh, why did it take so long for them to do X, Y, and Z? Like, you know, hammering on the fact that, like, because the affidavit is redacted, there's still so much we don't know, quote-unquote. You know, why do we, and then, you know, that creates an opportunity for people to just fill in the blanks. So basically, insert your conspiracy here. We don't know why they didn't do this. We don't know why they waited, you know, X amount of months to finally, like, raid. We don't know why they didn't do it this way. Uh, we can't know because certain things are um, redacted. So, like, it creates an opportunity for bad faith actors to kind of, like, you know, go ahead. Um, you also have some people who are now talking about the fact that, you know, why should these documents, which was the Tucker Carlson, um, I can't remember that guy's name, one former New York Times um, guy on Fox News. Basically, their new talking points is should these documents have even been declassified in any way so kind of like just ignoring the like the legality of it and going straight for politics going straight for yeah like, people's like tensions they're like oh. you know why do you, do you even trust these like cia people anyway just because they say something is redacted doesn't it mean it's actually like you know redacted worthy information you know shouldn't trump like what's the big deal if trump even held these things are these documents even I, that? I think it's that we've spoken about it separately on this um pod. Yeah. It's, it's the idea that um, if you discredit the idea of democracy or yeah. the idea of any institution or credibility of an organization like the police or the CIA, that people that requires people's trust to function in the way that it does, you can explain anything away. So it's it's not Trump's fault, you know. These documents should never have been with him anywhere. Well, should these documents were never. Um, the right classification for example like you said these documents um we don't even know if they're truly what they claim them to be yeah. you know it's casting doubts and it's interesting because the republicans are the party of law and order right and <laughs> now this kind of untempered attacks that they've been going on the fbi to me allows democrats that to say well you're trying to defund to use the kind of yeah. uh, populist wording, you're basically trying to remove the intellectual currency or like, should we say the trust currency that people have with these organizations because people are less, you know, you're casting doubt on like establishment. No, no, no but Republicans yeah, have a leg up in that regard because, you know, police are more everyday facing law enforcement. They're, they're more involved in your day-to-day life. And the people who are, you know, who were talking about the family police, quote unquote, um, for the Democrats are black people. 
obviously. So you know, you know that's radical and something that wouldn't be acceptable to the last population. The FBI, on the other hand, you know, goes after more high-profile targets. The FBI has a complicated history in the United States, going as far back as you know what they tried to do to MLK, and you know the efforts that the role they played basically in infiltrating, like you know, um, black power um, movements during like the civil rights. Um, doing like civil rights movement like in general in that period and then leading up to kind of like you know the whole thing with like um, Jim Comey and Hillary Clinton's like emails and him announcing some investigation so the history of the FBI is, is basically a bit more complicated so Republicans even though the hypocrisy is real politically it doesn't like it doesn't land the same way because people have like um, Republicans have put it in the mainstream essentially they've worked in the narrative they've repeated it loudly enough for everyone to hear so there's an entire group of people for whom the FBI is irreparably, like, um, you know, discredited because of the whole, like, Russia investigation, even though to those of us who, you know, understand that 2 plus 2 equals to 4 and live in a rational um, reality, we know that, like, the FBI did what it was supposed to do, even if some decisions were questionable here and there, it doesn't mean that there's an overarching conspiracy, um, you know, to... I don't know, investigate or take down conservatives. Um, but conservatives are working within this like framework where, as we've talked about in the past, everyone is out to get them, especially the FBI. So kind of starting from there, the FBI would have to, they, they laid out the terms at the beginning, basically, that it would have to involve specific, you know, really terrible nuclear, whatever, top secrets for, for these things to have been justified. And even in that case, even in that case, because of the nature of these secrets, they will probably have to be redacted. In you know, um, ordinarily, yeah, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of they have this narrative, they have the structure, it's been pushed for years and decades, and the FBI themselves has that questionable history yeah. in some in respect of how they've handled certain things. I don't disagree. I just think that you might be discounting it a bit too much. The reason I say that is because you have to look at it as this is election season, right? Um, the midterms are coming up. And I mentioned that because the midterms are less than three months away. So um, this would be one of these, it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's, it's one of these things that will yet more create more division for Republicans at a time when they don't need it. Um, and why do I say that? Because the Republican base, as you see it, there is, yes, the hard right, there's the Tea Party element, there's, which is kind of morphed into the Trump element, right? Yes. And that encompasses centre-right of the party. Now, there are those who will say, allied with what, and I think the terminology of Biden's statement when he forgave 10 grand prima facie, there's obviously a lot of caveats and measured, the way it's measured is different and stuff. He said middle class. And I thought that was very, very important because if you look at like the swing voters in America... They're very much center. They might be center right or center left. So we're talking about your Ohio's and I'm talking about the very specific mm -hmm. purple states. Just like I think the student loan forgiveness obviously will play off, you know, um, Marjorie Greene was on some, you know, talking. Uh, you know, and to tell you how strong what Biden did was, the UK, just it's, it's revived conversations about... Um, how much we pay, right? Yeah. And how much is, and what Biden is doing, is it actually being smart in that 
by stopping people, by reducing the amount people have to pay towards their student loans, you're essentially you're helping the economy because they have more money to spend on other things. That's less money they have to pay out for their loans, right? Across the board, it, 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 it's not obvious. It's not like oh, here's ten grand back in. No, I'm what you're saying. What some people would say is inflationary, you know, because we're yeah, already. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, but period. inflation. Yeah, but the inflation is worldwide. So it's not this this inflation that we're talking about is due to extraordinary um circumstances. It's not it's not the sure. idea that it's be, it's an no, American it's problem. Not that, it's not that it's a cause inflation per se, but that it's an inflationary act in an inflationary period. So oh, it's, I it's a big issue. I'm not I'm I'm just giving you like the arguments you would hear that they'll make. Yeah, it's worth considering. Um, yeah, it's it's worth considering, but you you're you're an economics guy, you understand in real money terms, what that means for your average mid-20 to mid-35, 40-year-old, it's a huge fillet because, if you, especially if you think of those who are close to paying off their loans, right? When I say close, they're within 20K. This is massive because that yeah. is extra amount of money that they will be able to do other things with, which helps your economy. That's the bottom so, line. So, so, you said, so you said a couple of things, uh, and, and I think the first the first thing I want to touch on is how, when you were talking about the fact that like you know the Trump raid and the news that we've gotten from the release of the redacted affidavit divide the Republican Party quote unquote. Yeah. So there are some of them who are all in on defending Trump. There are some who are like wishy washy on it. Some of them are picking, you know, setting arguments to make. Some are picking more inflammatory arguments to make. It's dividing them. But on the flip side, the student loan cancellation thing has united um, um, the Republicans, basically. So instead of talking about the Trump raid, what they want to talk about now is student law cancellation. Which and Republicans? Let's be specific. No, Republicans in general. I disagree. No, Republicans in general. So, so Ms. McConnell released a statement about this colonial socialism. McCarthy released a statement. Mitch Romney. I'm not talking about political. No, I'm saying Republicans. no. No, political I'm talking about Republicans. The voting base. No, no, political Republicans. I, I will get to the voting base. Political Republicans. So everyone from Ms. McConnell. McCarthy, Mitt Romney, yes, and so at every single sphere of the party, far right, the the cynical, um, you know, K Street right, the center right, everyone is united. You know, bulwark types, people at the dispatch, all Republicans basically are talking about one thing and one thing alone right now that's dominating the news, which is student loan cancellation. There's a school of thought of politics that basically just believes that like politics is a is it moves with the news cycle. So basically, whichever side is up is depending on what topic is in the news, essentially, during that period of time. Because both parties will be talking about it, or both sides will be talking about it. And yeah, the way that's about it would, yeah, would influence, like, you know, public perception of them and yeah. vice versa. So it, it's better, which is why, like, in when election campaigns come up in the US, that's when usually, like, mysteriously, a caravan starts to appear on the path to America. So it's like a running gag now that Fox News does this thing where whenever any election cycle is coming here, caravans just mistakenly appear, like mysteriously appear on the way to the US and they use that to whip up, you know, anti-immigrant sentiment to get people out to vote. So Biden was winning the news cycle up until a while. Now that this student loan thing has come up and, you know, it wasn't on the agenda today, but I think if we're talking politics in general, we have to address it because while I agree with you, and on the, both on the principle and what I think the actual politics would be in that, like, more people will be happy with student loan cancellation than would be against it. I think on the simple point of uniting Republicans, it has united them around a couple of ways. 
first way being that Biden doesn't have the authority to do this. That like this is such a power grab and it's somewhat. I disagree. Out. I disagree. And and you know, you know, us legal, legal scholars, U.S. constitutional scholars. So I don't, I don't, I don't think we're in a position. No, no. To I, the reason I agree disagree, or disagree. The, the reason I disagree is forty-five throughout the rule book, and this is what it's funny. I'm going to no, use no, your no, argument no, against no, no, you. Want, don't don't do this because if, on if, a previous if, episode, right, arguments, wait, 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 wait. This is why I had to jump in because on a previous episode you said, and I quote, the left has to learn how to do things that favor... Okay, I'm cool. This is not... Yeah, this is not yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They I, need I to learn you. how to damn the consequences and push through their own agenda. And I, this is the first time... You know, we call... You know, people call Biden sleepy Joe, blah, blah, blah. The White House, I think, has made... Because they're not going to win over these Republicans anyway. Yeah. These hardcore, these hardcore guys, these political guys, I'm telling you right now, you have to look at this from the point of view... Yes, there is a lot of, I think a lot of it is jealousy. You see a lot of people like, oh, I paid off my loans. I worked hard to pay yeah, off I was my loans. To, I was going to, my... to get to that now. Yeah. I, I put, so there's a lot of like, and if, if, but if, you, if you look at it, that is definitely that demographic, right? There's parents yes. there who have been doing their 401k. There's that trust fund thing that you guys do in the US, blah, 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 blah. I saw a woman who was like, oh yeah, that she's already saved up for her kids. Right, and she's thirty-eight or something, mm -hmm. right? So her kids are not even old enough to go to college. So there's that culture, definitely, of like ah, college expenses. I have cousins who went to the US, so I understand the whole system. Now, but the thing is, when you say there's that demographic, definitely, but I think Biden damned that demographic. I think his point of view is, I'm going to do what favors my base. I'm going to no, strengthen. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm going to strengthen my base. I don't really, and I thought the White House, brilliant again on Twitter. So yes. the, the PR was fantastic. Every single Republican that came out with a speech, a quote, a tweet, they just quote tweeted and told you how much of their loans had been paid off. So many of these guys have had their loans forgiven. I'm not disagreeing with you on any so of I thought, this. So I thought it was, a, I, no, I thought it was fantastic. I, 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 you, if, you, if you listen to what I said earlier, I said I, I agree with you on how it will likely play out politically, in, meaning that like I think it would redound to the Democrats' benefit and to Biden's benefit. Mm -hmm. But I think it's complicated, and I think the Democrats still have a lot of work to do because the messaging... Aside, the messaging needs to be better than just this PPP stuff. That works for that works for trolling on Twitter, but the the volume and the force of the opposition message is much louder and much stronger than anything we're hearing from Democrats. So all we've heard from Biden and Democrats is that they cancelled X Y Z, but the response, the reaction, there is no follow up. We've seen Elizabeth Warren on TV. You know, I think that's about it. Most of the Democrats we've heard are from Democrats that are opposing people like Tim Ryan, who are running in more conservative parts of the country and feel that it needs to run to the right of Biden and the most of the party. Um, so Republicans are going to stand on the leg of is unconstitutional one. And you know, when you were saying you don't like, you don't agree, it doesn't help anybody if Biden decrees this thing. And the Supreme Court, given that the Supreme Court is made up of six conservatives and three liberals. The Supreme Court now overturns it. Do you understand? I disagree. Wait, that's going to backfire. It should be. It should be politically. It should be politically bad for. Yes. Being no, wait, wait, wait. No, no. It's it, 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 politically. What what you need to understand is that politically, it may it might help the Democrats to point out to point at the Supreme Court and say, and point to Americans and say, hey, Americans, it's the Supreme Court that is stopping you from getting your loan forgiveness. Um, but I think Democrats are working with a handicap. 
because if the Supreme Court says it's illegal, I think you would find a lot of either Democratic senators or congressmen or left-leaning lawyers come on TV, go in the media and say, actually, we wish you could do it like this, but it's unconstitutional because Democrats are bound to, and I think the left is bound to facts in a way that the right just is not. It's, the left will need to demagogue the issue for it to be able to, for it to be able to. So just, just by the fact that legally, technically, it might be wrong, Republicans have no problem in demagoguing and just bullshitting to whip up sentiments. I think the left is not as good as doing that as the right. I think the left will have a problem in doing that. Do you understand? Which is where we have problem with them because we wish, we wish they would fight more. So unconstitutionality is one leg. Secondly, I don't think it should underestimate the level of resentment that exists in American politics. So all the people that are talking about it on the right, when they describe the college students or when they describe the beneficiary of this policy, they're not thinking of a hardworking person who has $20,000 left or somebody who worked two jobs to pay off his to, you know, go put himself through masters while also getting student loans. They're not thinking of all the possible, you know, regular people that it affects. They are creating a caricature of a gender studies graduate, you understand, who is a barrister at Starbucks with pink hair and is this ultra woke feminist, whatever. They're creating a caricature of that person and, yeah. and contrasting that person with your everyday mechanic, everyday um, service lady, and trying to pit one group of Americans against the other, taking a bet that more people will associate themselves with the, with the common man than with the gender studies professor. Now, Democrats need to go out there and put it in people's minds that the people actually benefiting from this thing are not just gender studies graduates, although I don't have anything personally against people who study gender studies. Um, but this, the, the messaging war is being fought in the 20s, and I don't think Democrats are quite prepared for you know the kind of battle that we need to do. So it's it's a bit more complicated than I think you're making it out to be Um I never well I never said it was simple. I yeah. just said I liked it. I, I, I just I like it too. I think I've been I think it too. I'm happy. I just like it. And also if you go back to the original point, my point was let's not forget the abortion issue. It's still on the it's it's brewing. Yeah. Add this um loan forgiveness, add the Trump thing. You, the Republicans need to be very careful because one thing about culture wars, as we call it in the UK, we've had years of this stuff with, you know, people like Pitya mm-hmm. Patel, Swella Braverman, Kemi Badinok is the latest disciple. Um, you have, you have to be careful because you're fighting on multiple fronts. You can open up too many fronts. So it's very good to attack. You might yeah. choose that you want to attack. Today you want to enter gender identity. Tomorrow you want to attack borders, like you say, or immigration. Mm-hmm. And the next day you want to attack um, financial, let's say financial um, independence. Let's use that word here, for mm-hmm. example. Or your individuality, you know. Um, so it's very possible that you become stretched. And this is the thing. When you start attacking too many fronts, and what Trump is doing now is creating another front. Yeah. Because what he's saying now, essentially, is he forces the Republicans to always back him. This is, this is, and this is the problem the Republican Party is always going to have. He's such an ideologue. He's such a bastion of that. He is the ideology that brings about, let's say, 30%, 40% of their yeah. votes, that they always have to defend him. Now, what some of them need to think is, hang on, what are we defending here? 
And that's why that New York Times article was very, I think, was crucial. Because if you're insinuating that there's things to do with North Korea, what do we know about certain right-wing ideologies? It's xenophobia. That's one of the cornerstones of their political ideologies. The fear Mm -hmm. of foreign involvement, foreign invasion, foreign intervention, Foreign incursion. I mean, but they, they don't have anything to fear from, from North Korean immigrants. No, no one is living North Korea. No, no, not immigrants. I, I gave a number of different yeah. there. And I'm saying, if, yeah. if Trump is having conversations, those conversations and those documentations should not be in Mar-a-Lago. There's reasons for national security reasons why secure people should know what was in those conversations. Says, they should says, be in the... says, Sorry, you, no. says you. No, like, no, no. It's not me. It's a judge. That's why I'm saying. That's why. No, 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 no. What, not, there's no I difference between. There's no difference between you and the judge. And what, what, what I think you're missing is that I agree with you that um, fighting many culture, fighting culture wars on many different fronts. Sometimes you lose, as with anything. If you're if you're focused on many different things, it means you're not really focused on anything at all. That type of thing. Um, but the identity issue the identity part of it is what helps trump which is what i was getting at with the descriptor of you know people who are benefiting from student loans so it, it doesn't really matter what the issue is per se as long as it's my people versus those people us yeah, versus no, them. I understand. I, on, on the saying. margins on the margins fighting many different culture wars might take effect but you need to appreciate that the democrats are already working from a disadvantage due to gerrymandering Due to the electoral college and the nature of the US. So the amount of the amount of you know the the, the head start that Democrats need, like oh, abiding, so. like you're saying, is fighting from coming from 30% or so approval to now 44. He's, he's still not he's still not in super good graces. They're just improving essentially from, I, from their, again, from like I said, and I and I think what you need to understand in terms of when you're when you're couching this point of view, and I you know, we say sometimes we argue certain points to kind of reflect um, an objective mm. argument. Um, I don't disagree that the identity portion is strong and is, like you say, the cornerstone of Trumpian republicanism. Yes. But I have given you three main facets, right? I think the, and I don't know if you've had the same exposure, geographical, again, reasons, cultural reasons, for example, in the UK, this war on Ukraine, for example, is being used as an example, as a reason why our energy prices are going up, right? Yeah. Even though, really, the UK has been, over the last decade, reducing its reliance on Russian imports, it's more so likely that the UK has been financing the Ukrainian effort. Probably, you know, our Prime Minister has been there like three or four times, right? Mm-hmm. We... There was a government scheme to provide housing for accommodation for Ukrainians. The UK has probably been the most vocal supporter of an as an individual country, not counting NATO, not counting the EU. Um, and the rhetoric is there in this country, for example, that that's one of the primary reasons why the cost of living costs are rising. In the US, I don't see it as much, but it is definitely a factor because. If you look at the interconnectivity of the US and the EU, for example, and global trends of energy and gas, if everyone is having to buy more from where the US gets its oil, for argument's sake, or everyone is having to 
do with less and buy more from the same places or share less, then that's going to affect the world, you know, mm. together. If it costs more to get European products, for example, to the US, US customers will have to pay more. Just things like that. So I think there's factors there that Biden could do to, um, to kind of raise the profile. But like I said, the abortion issue, this Trump thing is there. The Republicans are going to have to spend time defending something that, you know, you look at it and you're like, they have bigger fish to fry. Like they should I be focusing have... on saying, look at the economy. Because I remember there was a two, three week period after kind of like the June period or whatever. And I was seeing a lot of articles about, you know, fuel prices are going up. We know what's Biden doing about gas prices. Da, 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 da. What's gas? You know, and obviously, in the US, I wasn't seeing that nuance on. Oh, there's a war in Ukraine. Like, yeah, the no, US okay, no, no, no. But, but like, but like, we, we went through an entire news cycle in the US about whether or not because the Biden administration took to calling it the Putin price hike, mm-hmm. or you know, like Putin, you know, um, um, gas hike or something like that. And then Republicans and people, the media were like, ah. Why, why are you calling this putting price high? Wasn't prices going up before, like you were saying? So we, we went through that cycle already. And in between now and the midterm, I think there's like 10 weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a battle of new cycles, essentially, which is one of the criticisms that people have of critics, people have of politics these days, that, you know, politicians are no longer thinking long-term or thinking about the future or anything. They're trying to win the new cycle, basically, as they're hot. So right now, what is occupying people's minds now, what is dominating the conversation right now, is still no forgiveness. It's in the culture. I think in like WWE or so, somebody was like dissing somebody and said that they're going to cancel somebody like the way Biden cancels to their debt. So it's, it's, it's about who, yeah. who who is able to win basically the the narrative wars between both parties on this issue. And, and between, now and, between now and the midterms, yeah. is anybody going to fumble the bag? So is anybody going to go and say something on TV that will now lead to like Kamala Harris or something like that? Because the moment somebody says something and they can be like, gotcha, we'll take what you're saying and running it just and essentially like that. Um, so there's a lot that can still happen between now and between now. No, and no, and definitely there's a lot. I, I, I just find that the whole Trump, the more we know, and we remember the last part we said, we don't know enough. We need to know the reasons. There must be, you know, the affidavit does not help Trump. If anything, it doesn't at all. No, it, it it makes you know it kind of gives, and like we said, there will always be people who don't even believe the FBI is the FBI. They'll tell you it's men in black. You know they don't yeah. believe. So there will always be those people, right? And there'll always be actually educated people who, because of their um, biases and their inferences and the worldview that they want to preserve will always believe these things, even if they know it to not yeah, be true. So, so I, I think something that I want to push back against again is that like, no matter how actually damning the contents of, um, you know, like Trump's declassified document that Trump has or anything, I think the politics of it are just so like fucked up. So, so basically like we're seeing, like we tried to lay out in the last episode or two episodes ago, in January, you know, the uh, Trump provided the first batch of talks, I think like 15 boxes or so, very small. And the National Records Act Association or something like the Historical Records Archives or something, um, National Archives basically discovered that they classified information there. They referred it to the DOJ. The DOJ, after multiple conversations with Trump, had felt that they had probable cause to believe that, like, you know, there were more documents there. 
it also appears that it also appears that Trump people around Trump's orbit spoke that they were informants basically that used to work with Trump. So another thing that conservatives are harping on is that like who snitched? They want to know who in Mar-a-Lago snitched on Trump and everything because like it appears that a lot a lot of the redactions in San Fidelis were used to protect people who might have told the FBI information to protect to protect their lives because if you get found out as the person who snitched on Trump, your life is going to be you're going, you're going to need security from that day um, on. And also, Mar-a-Lago is definitely not secure. It appears that like some of the information contained, aside from this North Korea stuff, some of it contained is related to like information on CIA informants or CIA assets in embassies around the world, basically. So people are bringing up, there's this New York Times story that came out in 2021 about how the CIA had to send out a communicate to all its offices around the world to take special care because they were losing a number of assets. And it appears that some of that information is part of what Trump had with him. And this is, this is why I say the Republicans need to be very careful because yeah. when and what there's certain people who only care about people who look like them, who talk like mm. them. It's a myopic set mindset. It's the inability, like I said, it's all rooted in xenophobia. It's all rooted in the idea of yourself. It's a lack of self-awareness, of understanding that if you're white and you're in America, you're not native to America. Mm. There are Native Americans who are native to that land. You're most yeah. likely an immigrant of French, Huguenot, German, English, Scottish, Irish, Italian, Sicilian, Albanian, Russian origin. Absolutely. You are not native to that land. But because you've, you know, the winner to the spoils, right? The winner gets to tell the history. You've built this idea that this is your land and this is your territory. Why do I say that? You can only believe that, okay, certain things, I can, it's like people that can only relate to people who are their color, right? So mm-hmm. there's more, oh, if a white person is missing, for example, that's, yes. you know, more, that's, that's, they can attach themselves more to that than someone who doesn't look like them. The challenge that that brings in situations where you've become this kind of nationalist identity is the reverse. So once CIA officers who are pledged, who have given their life to the cause, are seen to be put at risk, if names start to come up of people who actually died, of people who were actually imprisoned, and I'm not saying the Democrats will stoop to this level, but if it actually starts to put some stories, if it becomes real consequences for white people mm-hmm. who have suffered from this, then those who might be of the same persuasions who have these ethno-nationalistic stances will start to say, hang on, this has affected people who look like us. This, this is a situation that goes beyond, and particularly the political class will not be able to defend that because if you have CIA officers, for example, based on what you said, this whole North Korea, if it comes out that national security was compromised, for example, and the US was, you know, so close to deploying ships or whatever in Pacific or whatever, then people will be like, the political people, I'm not talking about the voting base now. If I defend this, how is this going to look no, to no, my... No. And so, so, it's part so, of me... of votes. Hang on, hang on. Mm. Because there's a percentage of my voters who will not care regardless. I agree with yeah, that, 100%. Yeah. But there's enough of a percentage. I don't, that's not enough to get me in there. I need my educated base who might be servicemen, servicewomen, 
who will have family and security services. America has one of the largest kind of paramilitary in terms of you have marshals, you have field for you have rangers. You're, there's a probability that you know someone or you're related to someone who is in service. I think that's a factor because those political Republicans will then be like, hang on. And I think that's why some of them are keeping quiet now because they're like, if we defend this too much, do we lose a percentage? Do I, do I start yeah. to look a bit touchy? You know, in, is that my, you know, in, in, my in analysis? Theory, no, in theory, you're right. And it's possible that, like, like we said, because it's a marginal effect, it's possible that, you know, those people who turn on Trump as a result of negative revelations end up, you know, breaking in such a way that it favors Democrats and allows Democrats to keep control of the Senate and the House, even though all the polls tell us that, you know, so far that's unlikely for the House and it's very close for the Senate um, um, with, you know, depending on the candidate's issue. I'll just say a couple of things in response to what you're saying. Number one, I don't think you're going to get a defense per se, as in a defense, as in a justification of what Trump has done, or a defense of you know justifying Trump's actions or trying to pretend like the actions were good or correct. I think what you would have, and which is what politicians do, is obfuscation. So it's a battle of narrative. So you want to talk about Trump's secret, blah 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 blah. Somebody says, "Oh, I want to talk about inflation. I want to talk about price um, price increases. I want to talk about trans kids." In schools, but this minute, he just acknowledged things. that that whole economy debate is now subsiding. Because about a month ago, it was all Biden. Biden is downing the economy. Gas prices are up. Inflation is up. No, they're not having that argument depends, now. They're discussing Trump. No, 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 no. It depends on what. It, it depends on what happens one between now and and the end of 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 in the now and the midterm periods. It depends on how both parties are able to message this student loan. Inflation I'm already spending. saying it's happening, though. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Like the whole economy talk has dwindled. Like right now, the the Republicans should be hammering Biden, but it's kind of dwindled in the last month. That's what I'm trying to say. No, like, they, they also they also don't have much to say because the economy is improving and gas prices are going down. In actuality, but, but I'm yep, saying that like, yep. it depends on the individual politician. So in the individual race. Do you understand? Do you have and uh, do you what kind of politician is running in Georgia District Two or Pennsylvania District Four? What, what what are the demographics of that place? How do they respond to certain messages? What's the thing that's animating them in that part of the country? That's what I'm saying. So, like in in principle, may, maybe in New York, let me, let, me, let me be fair. Maybe in in Wyoming, you know, there are more reserve men there or soldiers there who flip that place for Democrats based on this one issue. But in other parts of the country, maybe it's trans stuff that is, you know, motivating them the most. Or so I'm saying the politics are unfortunate. The second thing I would say is that, like, if it's actually national security threatening issues, I don't think we would get too much details of it. You understand? If we get details of it, it will likely break through New York Times, CNN, Washington Post. Automatically, it comes in an asterisk because those places are not to be trusted because Republicans have discredited the media. So. When we're talking about the story, they won't be talking about the context of the story. They'll be talking about the meta-narrative around the story. Like, can we trust what is being reported here? That would be the conversation, not necessarily the content of the conversation, number one. Number two, it, it, it would be, it, it, they could also talk about the fact that, like, why are we getting these leaks? Can these people there be trusted? Are they not just, you know, against Trump? What about X? What about Y? So, so the idea that like Republicans would ever reach a place where they would be like, where they would be like, oh, 
we can't defend this thing. Like the, the starting point is that the left is evil. Do you understand? So they, they, they can always pivot to the evils of the left. You understand? Oh, they yeah. want to I mean, that, yeah, there's no, a lot of grievance. There's a lot of grievance to work with. There's a lot of grievance to work I, with. No, I understand what you're saying, but I, I think we're board. talking here, we're talking about increments here, really. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not in any way fully um putting aside what you're saying. I totally agree that there is this straw man, <laughs> ironically, there's this fake narrative, there's this false god of wokeness that they've built as the right and they attack it mercilessly and they bring it out when they need a distraction and they will add cultural wars to it's a false good word like it's also because there are so many cringe things like there are so many things that you see and you just cringe over like why is this person why does this person agree with me on this thing because yeah you know, they, for every stupid person who makes a dumb tiktok saying a dumb thing about race or whiteness or sexuality it makes our it makes our lives as progressives harder yes yeah. um, because, because we're getting associated with that person um like yeah no i mean we, we just have to continue to read the tea leaves you know um between now 10 weeks to the midterms yeah yes. there was some bell there were some special elections with the democrats won which everybody is saying indicates xyz yeah, and the polls are, yeah the polls are looking good for a number of democrats in 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 you know parts of the country but like you know election season is hitting up not just in the united states also in in our motherland um Niger, segue. Where, <laughs> segue yeah no master whole segue where you know um the 2023 lectures are coming up and yeah we can see some kind of parallels in the sense that like momentum is picking up anywhere there is an election coming up momentum is starting to pick up because the election is getting closer Issues are starting to become more salient, less salient. Narratives are changing and shifting. People are trying out talking points. People are cementing, you know, status in the polls, etc., etc. And now, you know, Peter Obi has kind of always been trending, but he has gone from a a hope to a possibility to a nuisance to now, like a gen, I would say, a genuine contender you know a genuine contender for the president of the united states um now we can Fra we can Freudian, debate Freudian, Freudian sleep there. We, we we can debate whether or not republic of nigeria i think you Republic say. of nigeria we, we we can debate whether or not he would actually be president or what his prospects are but the fact remains that i think this is the strongest third party candidacy that we have seen in Nigerian elections for a long time. What do you think, that? Last point, yeah, I'll give you last point. You know, well saved. Uh, you know, you 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 you're good. You're a good social scientist. You're able to wangle your way there. You you would write a good essay. You're able to wangle your way there because I think you you're going down a cul-de-sac. Um, right. We're both obedient, right? And I, I think that Peter Obi is a stellar candidate. I don't even think. And we've talked about this before, attributing standards, using Western standards to measure, da, 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 all that. Mm -hmm. If wherever, whatever country he was in, he would be a stellar candidate. So this, let's just say that. It's got nothing to do with whether he's in Africa, whether he's in Nigeria, whether he's in the Western, nothing like that. Now, you said something, you said he's going from potential, he's going from ideology to potential, da, da, da. That's yeah. where, that's where I urge some caution because 
like I said, I'm one of his, like, for me, ideologically, the man is exactly where I think Nigeria needs to go. I think that he has the right integrity to combat at the executive level. Yeah. And I think it's, my concerns are, he's one man. He's carrying. He's been carried now by this revolution. It's a revolution, and he's yeah. been he's been swept along. Like Peter yeah. Obi himself, I doubt he's spending much of his money, if any, at this point. Um, he has powerful, powerful business support from the diaspora, massively logistically as well. You look at his um, million marches in Portacot. Um, you mentioned one was it in Auchi. Um, I think oh, my dad did. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my dad earlier about this. And, you know, it's like, Auchi is in the States. Um, mm. Where's this my next is from? And then, oh, well, partially from, I should say. And then um, Portacourt is in South-South. So these are both southern areas, southern cities. Yeah. Um, key cities, key cities, but, you know, they're both southern cities. Now, why do I say that? Nigeria has 776 local governments. On election day, any serious party about with any party that's serious about winning needs what we call um, is it a vote infrastructure, a, a vote counter, or a vote um, agent, a electoral agent? That's the word. Infrastructure. You need an electoral agent in each of those seven hundred and seventy-six local governments. Is it Alimosho? Is it Ayedire? Is it uh, what was it called? Guagalada, is it um, Potakot, is it Bamatu, is it Wari, is it Kemi, is it, you need that presence. Why? When I, when INEC do their PVC registrations, it's like, almost like polling. X number of people collected their PVCs. INEC are not going to send one more ballot more per ward than the people that are registered there. They don't send extras. They send the amount of those that register. So the idea being, you can only have less than what they've sent out. If you don't have representation at the electoral, each local government poll, without electronic voting systems that are airtight, and this yeah. is, I'm going to talk about something that happened that makes me believe that these, the old structure, the establishment is up to their old tricks. What happens is if enough, not enough people come out, and naturally it's about 50%, the variant, 40%, 42%, blah, 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 of people who actually registered for their PVC, which is their voter's registration card. Yeah, we have lots of notes. We have lots of notes. They will come to vote. And this yeah. is, it happens in the UK, it happens in the US elections. Like yeah. people, people will register to vote and not vote. It happens. People have work, somebody gets ill, somebody has an appointment, someone just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it, someone's a student living somewhere else. Blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? There's both. There's ballots left. There's voting ballots left. So what happens if you're a party who's not represented there? I've heard at some polling stations, PDP, hey, or some other party, other parties are available. Might decide, oh, let's share the remaining ballots. Yeah, that's something, bro. Some places, mm-hmm. one particular party has more financial pull, more muscle muscle pool, <laughs> or to kind of convince the other party that it's not worth them taking those ballots. Give it to us. This is our area. We're taking the remaining ballots and we're going by a landslide. How 
those Peter Obi and the Labour Party plan Thank to you. deal with that. That's Thank one you. point. Second point, so sorry. Second point, and you talk about structure, that's what, because I want a solution to it. I must stress, I'm an obedient. So I want a solution. I'm not saying this, I'm saying this as constructive. These are issues that I see as issues that need to be dealt with. Secondly, electoral voting. So I heard that there was a system called BAVs or whatever, which have been brought in, which essentially allowed you to vote. And then it goes centrally to Abuja, the capital of Nigeria, to INEX headquarters. It's verified that it's keylogged. So it can't be like, it's keylogged from two entry points. So you can't change it in Abuja, for example. Once it's voted, it's known on both sides. That, okay, this was the vote here. This was the vote there. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much unriggable. The guy who designed the system, who was IT lead in Abuja, I heard is now just a mere electoral officer and demoted and sent back to Enugu State. So, forgive me if I am somewhat skeptical that the elections will be free and fair. Yeah. Unquote. Um, certain elements have been very quiet. We saw the Kuji prison break. We saw where are those where are those assailants right now? Like where are they? We, have they been tracked? We don't know. Okay, um, they have weapons. <laughs> um, the economy is being bled from the inside out. You have airlines like Emirates and other airlines saying, well, we left yeah, all this collateral. Really we left all this collateral in dollars. Where's it gone? What is that money being built up to do? Um, where is that money going to find itself on election day? Now, ask yourself those questions. And, and, and those are my two key concerns Without even going into geopolitical, the third one is probably, I'll say the third one, which we won't delve into, that's for another episode, is the geopolitical mathematics. And I think I want to know who is advising Peter Obi on strategy. Where are your crucial support? I hear he's in the stakes for Wiki, Governor Wiki, who's key to the South-South, or at least to Rivers. I hear he's in talks with Autumn in Benue. Like, who are who are his strategic alliances? Who are the big governors who are coming on board to support Wiki? We know there's some godfathers in the background, you know. So what those are those are just you know a couple yeah. of my thoughts. Yeah, you 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 you've said a lot. Um, you know, I, I want to go back to I want to go back to the beginning, beginning of what you were talking about with Peter Obi. And you know, I would I would admit that I worry too sometimes that you know, Peter B has just developed this affect. So you're talking about him, about him being somebody that has integrity, blah, 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 blah. He's a good politician. He's a good politician. So he has been able to present an image of himself, you know, so despite the fact that he was Atiku's VP candidate, despite the fact that just politics in Nigeria is just kind of tainted, essentially, with some kind of... So we just assume if you make it to be governor... I don't know, your your shit they smell one kind, Sha. You will get something, Sha, basically. But he has he has created this image of himself of a man with integrity, very easy. He he carries his own briefcase, you understand? He, he washes his hands after he eats a bar. Nobody washes his hand for him. All this kind of thing. He's a very down to earth guy. But to an extent, how much of that is just an affect? We don't know. You understand, like my, uh, how much how much substance is there actually to him? So every now and then you see these fact checks on Twitter where people will just be like, 
hey, Peter, we just talk. He just says all these kind of things. But when you try and dig into what he's saying, you know, yeah, we, we can debate that at some other time. I think also you were getting at something that, like, you know, there's just this mass movement behind him. There's just this energy behind him. And with things like that, you tend to have a situation where people project their own ideas onto oh, Peter Obi. So now is just like a, like, like a blank slate for change, for hopes and dreams, for anti-corruption, for somebody like said, a bunch of... Somebody said, somebody posted a picture of our venerable VP and said, where is this guy? And in an alternative universe, October 20, 2022, mm. if Pastor San VP had taken a different stance. Let's say he resigned a week after, a few days after. Who's How to say that he's not the guy riding this wave right now? It's quite possible. I mean, if he's survived, I say. But it's quite possible that you saw Ben will be the VP candidate you. for PDP. Oh, yeah, his survival would have been in question, I guess. But yeah. I'm just saying that if he had less. We could stop out. We could have stopped out Shibanjo for Obi, to be honest. No, but, no, but, but, but we didn't. And Shibanjo was is obviously a terrible politician as well as clearly a, 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 man, of the, yeah. a man of the swamp. He's part of the he's part of the swamp by all means. It's clear now that he is. Um, so like you know, with Obi, like a lot of people are projecting their hopes onto him, and it's evident in the crowds that you see on the streets and everything like that. And I kind of want to now use that to tie into what you were getting at when we were talking, we were talking about infrastructure and the fact that there's 176 local governments in Nigeria. If OB has as much capital as you suggest that it does, because clearly a lot of people like vested in his campaign. He has a lot of human capital. He gets a lot of free, you know, free um, promotion on social media by, by people like us who believe in this campaign and are talking about him all the time. So if he has that much capital, and he doesn't need to spend so much money on because like people were making a joke about how you know um in the in the rally in was it PH or somewhere where they had a lot of people they're talking about how ah um APC and PDP they are still thinking about how they will spend 400 million for mobilization you know saying about Peter be without spending any money just organizing grass level grassroots campaigning I I think if they have as much capital as we think they do. I think they will be able to have representatives in every single local government. I don't know as, as I'm saying when 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 I was saying that this is the strongest third party candidacy we've ever seen. I think beyond just the politics, like beyond just the name ID part of this, I think in terms of like what there's a machine, there's a real there's machine. Yeah, there's yeah. a machine that existed before. There's a machine that will have ramped up its skill, like phenomenally like you know an over over a period of time i think the machine will be able to get get enough volunteers and there's enough eyes on what is going on which leads me to my which leads me to now where you are getting at with the corruption and accountability whether or not you know like what, what can be done about the fact that like at these police stations shenanigans can happen all that is a possibility do you understand but i i i feel like in their planning in their strategizing all of that has to be taken into account. You understand? And it's possible for Peter Obi to lose fair and square. It's also possible because Nigerians are co- a complicated people. You understand? Yep, they're tri- not. They're, Nigerians are not a monolith. Yeah, there's tribalism that would account for voting for. There's people who just think Tinubu is better, who think Atiku. So, like, it, those guys could win 
fair and square. But like all the all the conspiracies you were getting at, you know, in the sense that like, oh, with the person that created the software has been demoted or all these kind of things. No, that's not a conspiracy. That's a fact. That, no, that I'm saying, but like the conspiracy is the the intent you, you were suggesting or inferring behind it and the possible implication. That's where the conspiracy comes I gave in. facts. It's up to the listener to... That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that. where, that's where the conspiracy <laughs> now, now, now comes in. There's nothing that anybody can do about that. No, hospital B, nothing anybody can do about that. I think he can just try and have his people in every police station and try and run the best possible campaign that he could possibly do. I'm very curious to see if there will be a debate. I suspect Atiku will show up for the debate. I don't know if Tinubu shows up for a debate. I don't think Tinubu can handle a debate. I think Tinubu goes the Buhari route. You know, Buhari didn't show up for the last debate. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Tinubu goes the Buhari route. In fact, like, in a sense that like he doesn't have to... If he shows up, he's going to disgrace himself. Without a doubt, it would be an embarrassment. So Peter will be an article will slug it out, which oh, will now make them look like, and which will make them look like yeah, it will make them look like beans. small boys. It, 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 could go, it could go one of two ways. It would either make them look like small boys in yes. that like the main guy didn't show up, or it could effectively root in the bars of the race because depending on how the debate goes, the conversation uh, will be entirely about about as I say, depending on how it goes, the conversation will be I, entirely about article and um Peter B. The geopolitics that you were getting at, which is the last point I'll make now, when you're talking about how he's courting Wiki, he's courting Orton, courting all these people. I think another bet that Peter B is making is that we can damn all those self-appointed middlemen. Wiki is like is a lightning rod. Like Wiki is effectively like is like is like kryptonite to Superman. If Peter B is Superman, Wiki is kryptonite because Wiki is toxic. He, as in what whatever he's doing, he can be a local champion. And Peter Obi can do his best. Not to support him. Is not is not a fan of. Uh, I'm not. I'm not fan of. I'm not fan of Wiki. But he can be. I. I, I think what Peter Obi has going for him, if if he's going to have anything going for him, and if he's going to be successful, what he has going for him is this this image that he has. So anybody who stands in opposition to him is automatically, immediately going to be perceived as fighting for the powers that be, and Wiki tries to present himself as a man of the people, despite the fact that, like, you understand? So nobody wants to be, only people like Festus Kiemann and the likes who have completely sold, you know, like, who have completely sold their souls to, you know, the, the, the regime and the powers that be. Everybody else who isn't, you know, explicitly tied to one of them, especially somebody like Wiki, who is clearly not a fan of either party, he has to be very careful. Wiki is the one who has to be careful with how he deals with, Peter will be not vice versa. You understand? I think Wiki can't be seen to be sucking off Peter will be, but at the same time, he can't be seen to be presenting an obstacle. So I, I, I don't think Peter will be needs to worry himself too much. He has to, and he has to make plans for it. But I think, you know, the, the, the biggest thing now so far is politics. If Peter will be is the winner, I don't know how to explain it, but like everybody, everybody will feel it. You can feel it in the air. If you do any, I, I, I saw like a random street poll. I think they asked like over like 40 people or so for their pre- preferred this thing. It was more than 40. I think it was like 90 or up to 100 people. And Peter Obi was clearly like the winner. Where was, ask, this? Where was this in Nigeria? This, it was in Ibadan. Okay. So this is my point here. And I, I take everything you've said. Yeah. And I pray you're right. I want you to be right because obviously mm-hmm. I support Peter Obi. Now, I need to push back on something, right? And you said that Peter Obi 
would be able to um that you know you, because they're well organized they can finance yeah. volunteers to go to each of these local governments now i have to challenge that because peter Obi essentially only has a year he only came to national consciousness around the whole primaries right mm-hmm. and that is not enough time to sure. install the same structures unless he absorbs wait unless he absorbs defectors from pdp and apc in certain key locations sure, sure, that's not sure. enough time sure, for sure. labor party it's not the reason i say that is because some of these are community-based issues no, imagine yes. now imagine now your hometown right for example there are families, their communities already known. You can't just parachute somebody from LP in Lagos to go to Benin and say, um, yeah, we are the ones that they're already no, entrenched no, positions. No, yes, yes, he can. The the effect is what yeah. we disagree on. So like it, it doesn't mean that he'll be successful in converting people to his cause, but can he get somebody there? Yes, he can. The thing is, though, every single local government in Nigeria. Yes, he can. Can he successfully win all those local governments? No, he no, he can't. No, he can't. And he doesn't need to win every local, local government. He doesn't need the, to win. The reason all I'm government. saying it, the reason I'm saying it is because this isn't like sending a correspondent, right? You're not you're not sending a correspondent. No, no, but, to but, but it is. These are people who have to spend two or three days. Yes. They will need to be. They are some of the most rural parts, some of the hard, hardest to reach parts of Nigeria, right? So ordinarily, just because of logistics, right, they are hinterland areas. There are places where for want or for whatever, he might be able to fill a lot of the urban gaps. And I think this is yes. his This is why I think that... No, I, what, what are we talking about here now? No, like, no, no. Is it access just, I just don't about? think they'll be able to get 776 people from the Labour Party to every ward. I just don't see that happening. Okay, so now, so, so, so they don't have to get to every ward. I think, I understand, I, I think they can. You understand? But at the same time, I don't think... I think they might need to, because I suspect there will be a runoff. I suspect that, I agree with you, He's he's got massive support. Massive support from the from the everyday man or woman. He's got massive support. That is not in doubt anymore. Those that were laughing about social media are not laughing anymore. Mm-hmm. My only concern is... Will they let it happen? Now, if we're in a American system, UK system, where well, we both know, yeah, that's you could say with too. any confidence now that okay, Peter B is a you know, Peter B is looking fifty, yeah, 50 but right? I don't know about fifty. So the polling issue, his prospects again is what we disagree on. So uh, we don't we don't have any polling that we can trust from Nigeria. But See? I think he has enough name ID. Such no, that no, we would say if he gets the most votes, it's we trust that. Okay, let me use that word in now. If yes. he gets the kind of votes that is... You, you gave me some sort of rough polling on the street, street polling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. If we project that, at the very least, Peter Obi will take... There's three of them. He'll take a third. Let's, let's yes. use that, right? But you and I know <laughs> from witnessing Nigerian elections, how do we safeguard those votes? I'm not doubting that he can get 33%. And if in that scenario, we might even end up with a runoff. Because my concern is, what if this goes to court, right? What if we have a disputed result where we know this feel, the feeling in the town is that will be won. Like, the air is like, it's OB. It's like Abiola all over again. Everybody, everybody like, 
he crisscrossed the nation. I he mean, broke into the hearts of the northern we get this that bridge, we'll cross it now. I don't know how we can solve uh -huh. that problem The now. reason why those 776 are important is not just to count on the day. It's to evidence. Because when you get to court, you need to be able to say, I was in X ward. This was what happened. Do you get what I'm trying and to say? Now, as I'm saying, I think Peter Obi can have those 776 people there. Now, where, where we agree is that, you know, he might not be able to do anything about the the larger like social aspect of issues around it that like that might that might lead to one party having more dominance in an area or not maybe you know that, that could cause area boys to show up supporting a place and Peter will be Labour Party does not have the human infrastructure required to like stand in the way of you know some kind of shenanigans that are going on or if it's soldiers that they use of police or you know the 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 ruling party in the state can use their secret service or whatever to go and scatter the elections in one word. All of that, Peter Obi can't do anything about it. But that Peter Obi can have somebody there to witness and say, hey, this is what happened in in obscure local government ward X in the middle of somewhere in Nigeria. Yes, he can. He can have all those people there. But that's not a problem that like that he can he can solve now. And I don't think that's something that he should concern himself with. My point worry is, no, no, no. That, my point is know. that is one of the key things I've I, I, you know, we've talked about, I think he faces a huge challenge in the geopolitical mathematics. I think that's, that's to me, is number two. But number one is the electoral, what I call the electoral atmosphere. We've been in Nigeria election time. We've both been in Nigeria election time. There is, there's almost a preserve of expectation of results. Nigeria is not the kind of place where like, you're like, oh, that's a shock result. Like, you have regions where it happens. In the West, it sometimes happens where... I think it's going to be really close this time. It flips. I, I think it will be close. But what I'm trying to say to you is that if it's close, then I only see one of the other two winning. Mm. Peter Obi has to be such a landslide. Like, it has to be clear that he has infiltrated so many zones. And that is ultimately the challenge that he faces. And I think I wish the man all the best. Godspeed. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it's going to be very, very interesting. Obviously, we're going to keep profiling and following yeah. the build-up. But those, I mean, it's very heartening to see those marches, you know. It's very, very yeah. heartening to see the yeah. support that he has. And, um, yeah. He's, he's, touring, he's touring the world right now, you know. Um, pushing his diaspora involvement message, I think that works for him media wise. Um, but like like Dan said, we're, we're gonna keep like you know tracking the events um, of the 2023 elections. We're also gonna stay up to date with what's going on in the midterms that are happening in November of this year. And you know there'll definitely be a lot more for us to talk about. Um, this, this has been a fun one. Um, you know, massive with two topics. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Indeed, we shall. Yeah, bye everyone. Thanks.